Uh, man, it was, a, it was quite a morning. So let me tell you something. Institutions, they may fail, right? Dunkin' Donuts fails me every Sunday. I always forget my order. And people may fail. So I'm on my way. I'm in a rush. I put the coffee on top of my car, and I go. Let's just say I made it to church, but the coffee did not. I had to go back, get it. So institutions fail. People may fail, but God's word never fails. Amen? Amen. All right, today's scripture reading, it comes to us from 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 18. And this is God's word. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid his, down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's deeds, goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Hello, hello, hello. Let's begin with prayer. Father, I pray that you be here with us today as I preach your word by your mercy and grace that I'll be able to preach it faithfully and that the congregants will be able to hear your word and receive it, not by my own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they may be able to receive it in good soil so it may produce much fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As a kid, I'm sure many of you guys were asked this. What do you want to be when you grow up? My friends would say noble things like doctors, firefighters, policemen. For me, my answer was always swift. Someone asked me that, I would always respond, professional wrestling. <laughs> it was the easiest question of my life. When I grow up, I want to be just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I loved wrestling growing up. WWF, before it became WWE, Monday Night Raw, I remember I wanted to become a professional, professional wrestler. And so what did I have to do? Well, if I wanted to become a professional wrestler for the rest of my life, I knew I had to do wrestling in high school. And so I entered the wrestling team thinking I would start power bombing people, choke slamming them, rock bottoms. It was far from the truth. When I, when I started doing high school wrestling, I was a, this is not, professional wrestling is not real wrestling at all. It's completely fake. I didn't do any of those things. Well, there was one thing that every wrestler 
knows with 100% guarantee. If they were ever to wrestle one of their friends who is not a wrestler, they would 100% be able to beat them. 100%. But there are times when I have wrestled some of my friends that I didn't know did wrestling, but while I was wrestling them, I quickly realized that they were wrestlers, that they knew what they were doing. There are little nuances that wrestlers know what to do when they wrestle, like wrist control, right, head taps, these little things that only wrestlers would know how to do. And so for me, I would instantly know if someone was an actual wrestler. They would have marks through their behavior to know if they are a true wrestler or not. And today, we'll be learning what are the true marks of a true believer. We'll be going over that in three points. The main point, the thesis of the sermon is this. Since Christ loves us, we are to love our brothers. Three points are these. Cain's hate, Christ's love, and third point, our love. Cain's hate. Apostle John begins the passage with exhorting Christians to love one another. And then he quickly goes into a comparison with Cain and the world saying the world is just like Cain. And the Cain he's referring to is specifically Cain and Abel. If you guys know the story in Genesis chapter 4, the very first humans that were born were also murderers. Cain kills Abel, his brother. If you don't know the story, what, is, what happened was... Abel and Cain were offering sacrifices to God, but Abel gave the firstborn of his flock to God, and Cain, it says, right, Genesis chapter 4, that he gave the fruits of the ground. What it should say is this, Cain gave the first fruits to God, but rather it says he simply gave the fruits of the ground. And so Abel's sacrifice was a pleasing offering to God, and Cain's was not accepted by God. And because of this, Cain ends up killing Abel. Out of Cain's unrighteousness, he hated Abel in his righteousness. See, it's not because Abel gave animals and animals are better than fruits. No. It's because when Abel gave his sacrifice, he did it in faith. Whereas Cain did not. He did it out of his unrighteousness. And this is the dynamic between unrighteous and the righteous. It will always be this dynamic. The unrighteous will always hate the righteous. 
Every married couple knows this. <laughs> Whenever you're in an argument with your spouse, and your spouse makes a good point, <laughs> do you sit there and say, oh, I love you, honey. Thank you for that good point. No, you get angrier and your pride starts to rise because you know they're right and you're wrong. If you don't uh, know, uh, Pastor Andrew, he uh, actually teaches golf lessons on the side. Uh, so if you uh, haven't signed up for the golf tournament, make sure uh, <laughs> you sign up. Quick plug. Uh, if you've ever seen his Instagram, he posts oftentimes videos of himself uh, swinging. And it's a thing of beauty. And if you've never seen it, I, I, I recommend you follow him. And uh, just check out his swing. It is really actually a thing of beauty. And not only that, he hits the ball so far, you can't, the Instagram, you know, it's not even, the resolution's not good enough on Instagram to see where it goes. But, no matter what, even though Pastor Andrew is blasting these balls into the stratosphere, there will always be haters. And they come out of nowhere. They come out of the bushes, out of the woods. You even know there's someone there, and all of a sudden, the hater's there. <laughs> While he's swinging at the range, I believe daily, and Ajashi will come to make sure he gives him some tips. Like, hey, 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 you're swinging it wrong. Hey, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm sure uh, Andrew, being polite, uh, you know, acknowledges them, right? But then continues to do what he's doing, right? Blasting balls, you know, 300 plus yards, easy. And I think the I just start to become silenced. <laughs> you know, Andrew would say they, they stop talking when they start seeing him swing. Uh, and I think they start, you know, taking out their note, note card and start trying to take notes and trying to improve their own swing. <laughs> but there are always haters. You know you're doing something right when haters come out. In fact, 1 John says this, 1 John 3.13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Do not be surprised. In fact, that idiom in Greek can be accurately translated. The meaning of it is this. Christians, you should expect to be hated. You should expect it. Right? Just as Cain, the unrighteous, hated Abel because he was righteous, Christians, if you are to live out your faith, holding fast to the truths of God, you should expect to be hated. You should expect to be hated. How true is that today? How true is that today? How hard, day by day, is it, right, more and more, to be able to hold fast to your Christian truths and be able to function in this world. It's becoming more and more difficult as a Christian. The Wall Street Journal released this article, and it was titled, Social Media's Threat to Religious Freedom. And this is an excerpt from this article. On August 7th, this past August 7th, Carl Truman former professor at WTS, Westminster Theological Seminary, gave a series of talks 
to the Sacramento Gospel Conference. It's a Christian gospel conference, okay? Live streamed on the YouTube channel of Emmanuel Baptist Church. So this is a live stream from a church channel of a gospel conference. Twice during the event, the live broadcast was booted off the air. Viewers were informed that the first interruption was due to a copyright violation, possibly the result of Christian music that the conference organizers played during a break. But in the second, more mysterious instance, Mr. Truman's presentation went dark because of a content violation. The topic of the gospel conference was sexuality. A gospel conference, a church channel, and you cannot teach the simple truths of the gospel, biblical truths of sexuality. And that's just one of the many areas that we will receive hate when we hold fast to our Christian truths. Abortion, believing life, begins at conception. Holding to the fact that there are only two genders because God defined it that way. Creating man in his own image, male and female. Critical race theory taught in school not only as a description that could perhaps be helpful right, for us to understand some of the history of the United States, but rather being taught as a prescription, as a means or a way to live. A world that upholds tolerance to be the ultimate ideal becomes the most intolerable religion to all religions. There is simply no place for any religion that has a moral code, any type of moral code, to be able to coexist with this type of world view. So Christians, expect to find and feel some backlash from your coworkers if you don't agree with all the things that social media says or what the news says. Expect it. Expect it. John is making this simple, logical argument. He's saying this. The world hates us because it is still dead. It is of Cain. But Christians have moved from death to life, so they no longer hate. So having hate in you is a sign that you have not yet moved from death to life. Then John echoes Jesus' teaching by saying, those who have hate in their heart has, have already committed murder. Have already committed murder. There is no difference between you as Cain who actually committed murder against Abel and you holding hate in your heart for another person. You have already committed murder. It may sound harsh, but this is what the Bible is saying. If you hate somebody, then you are not saved. You do not have eternal life. It's a harsh, harsh teaching. 
So you've got to ask the question. You've got to ask yourself, do you hate anybody? Do you hate anybody? Now I know, to be fair, nuanced, everyone has their own personal experiences and lives, pains and hurts. But if you harbor a certain hate towards somebody because of what they have done to you, or whatever differences you may have, then what God is calling you to do is to repent and possibly reconcile your relationship. Now, of course, you must practice wisdom. You do not simply go back to, like, your abuser that you have and, you know, hope to have the same relationship. Of course, there are certain wisdom aspects of this. But in general, if you have hate in your heart, then God is calling you to repent and forgive that person. The second point, Christ's love. So how is that possible? How can we, as just mere human beings, be able to forgive someone? Christ here is the anti-Cain. He is in direct contrast to Cain. Cain kills Abel because Abel is righteous. Christ gets killed because we are unrighteous. Christ is the anti-Cain. Pastor Paul has been preaching uh, through the book of Acts, but more recently, in the last couple of weeks, he's been going and teaching about this passage with Apostle Paul or Apostle Peter, seeing a vision of a sheet being wide open and all the animals coming out of it. And God's saying this, See all these animals? They are now clean. They are now clean. So, hence, go out and spread the gospel to all the Gentiles. Scripture is very clear what the vision meant. That now the gospel is for everybody. So what that means is this. We are to love all our brothers regardless of race, sex, religion, their beliefs. Their height, the way they look, doesn't matter how many followers they have. It doesn't matter that we are to love our brothers. But how is that possible? See, 1 John 3.16 is not possible without John 3.16. John 3.16 reads, we all know this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 3.16, in our passage, complements this so well. It reads, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What it's saying here is, You cannot love others unless you first know the love of God yourself. See, God gives us an impossible calling, an incredible calling. The calling is this, to be able to love everybody, no matter what. No matter what they have done to you, no matter who they are, 
God's calling for Christians is to be able to love everyone. But we cannot do it on our own power. We're not, God is not calling us to love everybody out of sheer force of willpower. He's not saying this. We as Christians are not to say, God tells me to love everyone, so I'm going to force myself to love everybody. No. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. Nor is God saying this. You are to love everyone because of some sort of mystical religious experience that once you receive God, all of a sudden, you have this magical power to be able to love everybody. He is not saying that either. The way we are to love others, as scripture has it, says, it comes because of a certain paradigm shift. It comes with a change of worldview. It must come with swapping our old, dirty, sinful lenses with the gospel lens that God gives us. Or as scripture will call it, renewing your mind and transforming your heart. See, you cannot love as God has called us to love unless you first realize the depths of your own depravity. If you know and realize the depths of your own depravity, then there's no way you can judge anybody. Also, you cannot love as Christ calls us to love without knowing Christ's forgiveness and grace for yourself. Enabling us to be able to forgive anybody. The deeper and truer you learn these truths, the more and more you will not be able to help yourself loving your neighbor. And this, I believe, is an act of the Holy Spirit. See, in college, I was a complete Pharisee. I was, like, when I look back in college, my college, Sam, myself, I look back at that guy and say, oh, my, I, I would not be able to be friends with that guy. <laughs> I was so self-righteous. I was so self-righteous. I, and in college, trust me, there was a lot of opportunities to judge. If someone drank, I said, you're a sinner. <laughs> if someone had a relationship, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. And I used to start, I was so much better than these other people because I didn't do these things. So judgmental in college. I was a complete Pharisee. It's not until after college that... Personally, God had brought me through some hard times. If anyone asked me, was there a time in your life, Pastor Sam, that you experienced backsliding, I would most likely refer to this time. After graduating college, for about a year, you know, I, I stopped going to church. And uh, I didn't read my Bible. I didn't really even pray. In fact, I just kind of did whatever I wanted to do. I just lived life what I thought would please me. And it was due because of my circumstances, which, which is why I started to do that. And you would think that I would be happy doing whatever I wanted to do. You would think that would make you happy. But actually, 
I felt so empty. I felt life was meaningless. But through that time, through that year of just spiritual backsliding, God had opened my eyes to my own depravity, to the depths of how broken I really was. Of course, I am still self-righteous, but I do believe at that time God unveiled my eyes to really how self-righteous I really was. It was through that experience I really, really believed that I was a broken human being, nothing good in myself, really, worthy, worthy of anything. And after that, it was so hard to judge anybody. When people would share their struggles or sins with me, I could not judge them. Because for me personally, I really thought that I was no better. I was no better. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> it will be impossible to be able to do college ministry without knowing the depths of your own depravity. Because we would have zero college students here. College students, they make a lot of mistakes and they have a lot of hurts. And if they came to me and I simply just judged them and told them you're a sinner, I don't think they'll stick around very long. But because of God's grace, being able to see my own depravity, I'm able to relate to the college students much better. And in fact, instead of judging them, reminding them of the amazing grace that God has for us. See, the thing that stops us from knowing the amazing love of God is our own self-righteousness. If you think right now you're not self-righteous, That itself is a sign that you are self-righteous. Of course, I am still right, self-righteous. But I think it's good to have the attitude as Apostle Paul had, which is to believe that you are the worst of all sinners. Honestly, think about it. Is there anything that makes you feel good, worthy, or valuable, anything that you do? What are the things that you have in your life that you feel feel like that makes you say, oh, see, I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad after all. I'm pretty good. Those are the things oftentimes that stop us from depending and clinging onto God. We all have these, and I struggle with it as well. But by God's grace, hopefully, we can realize even these things are like filthy rags in the face of God. So what are the marks of a true Christian? It is this. Not hating, but loving your brother through the transformative work of Christ and his work on the cross. The last point, our love. 1 John 3, 17 through 18 reads, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here, 
Apostle John gives us a, the complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to hate and love. See, we can hate in our hearts, in our hearts alone, and act and commit the act of murder. We have already murdered in our hearts. But the standard is different when it comes to love. If we only had love in our hearts alone, then that is not love at all. It is when we act out in love, the act of love is complete. The love is complete. See, imagine if Christ simply loved us with his words. He just loved us in his his heart. Christ comes to earth, says that he loves us all. He sees us in all our brokenness and sin and says, I love you guys, but I'm going to fly back to heaven. Thoughts and prayers to you. Hope you make it out. No. The gospel is substantiated by Christ's work of redemption on the cross. It is an act in history that must have to be completed in order for us to be reconciled with God. God did not simply love us with his words, but he loved us with his words and deeds. Christ did that for us. See, when we hear the story of Cain and Abel, immediately in our own self-righteousness, we say, ah, see, I'm Abel. And we have contempt for Cain. But in reality, if we were to relate to any of these people, it's not Abel. We are Cain's. We are the Cain's. You are Cain. And that's the whole point. We are the Cain's. And if we are Cain, then who is Abel? Christ. Christ is the true Abel who was murdered for his righteousness. Christ, being the true Abel, makes us able to love others. You can write that one down. That's good. I can feel the cringing. It's amazing. It's delicious. But unlike Abel's blood, right, if you read Genesis 4, right, the moment Cain killed Abel, Cain became cursed. And Abel's blood was crying out from the ground. Unlike Abel's blood that cries out for vengeance, Christ's blood cries out from the ground, crying forgiveness. Forgiveness that comes with a new covenant because the righteous one shed his blood for us. And because of this, we are able to act generously, so generously, because we know we received much more than we ever deserved. We received Riches beyond imagination when we deserve nothing. So let me ask you, how have you acted out in your love? I was looking at my bank statement, you know, budgeting a couple of years ago. 
know, after I married uh, Sammy. And I realized there was like this recurring charge, like 30 some dollars every month. And I was like, what is this? I looked into it. It said, compassion child. I was like, I have a compassion child? What's going on? I didn't know I, was, I didn't even know I had compassion. I didn't know I was supporting someone. And then I told Sammy, I was like, you know, like, where's this coming from? She's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that was actually my compassion child I had. Uh, I just started charging your credit cards. I didn't want to pay for it anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, our finances are one, so, you know, she's still paying for it, right, in a way. Every time uh, I walk out, I see, you know, people walking dogs you know, all over my neighborhood. Uh, I know a lot of people who have dogs, and every time I see them, I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Sammy and I, we, like, you know, go through Instagram, we'll see a picture of a dog, and Sammy will just show it to me. I don't know what she wants me to do with it. <laughs> I think she's hinting that she wants a dog, something like that. I personally, I love dogs. But every time we, like, seriously consider it, we take a step back. We think, well, you know, that dog could be another compassion child. <laughs> it, could, it could be another one. Probably be cheaper to have actually another compassion child change someone's life instead of having a dog. Now, I'm not judging you if you have a dog. You know, maybe one day I might have a dog. But as of now, right, this, you know, we feel convicted in that way as we, you know, when we do discuss it. We have a unique opportunity in this time to help Afghanistan refugees. And the unique opportunity is this. We're able to do missions without having to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> They're coming to us. They're here. And I'm encouraged that the elder board is thinking of ways, right, that we can, as a church, bless them. And I hope you guys are excited for the opportunities that may present itself as they come about either by giving monetarily or your time and energy and relationships. Whatever it is, I hope you're excited for the opportunity for it. And lastly, community groups. If you are able to lead a community group, please let us know. We are in need for community group leaders. Pray about it. See, we cannot practice acting out in love if we are not in community, it's quite impossible to do so. We need to have other people and relationships actually in order to fulfill this calling God has for us. And so community groups creates a great vehicle for people to create relationships that go beyond, uh, you know, what we do after service. It gives us an opportunity to share life with one another. Perhaps with people that you will never ever had a relationship otherwise other than meeting them in community group. And so, please, if you can help with community group, leading community group, let Pastor Jacob know, and we will gladly sign you up because we are in need for that, and I believe it will bless the church tremendously. All right, let us pray. Father, I pray that you convict our hearts that you challenge us. Help us see for those who may harbor hate for another that there is incredible forgiveness in Jesus Christ for them. 
Help us see that it is impossible for us to love others as Christ calls us to if we ourselves have not experienced Christ's love for ourselves. Let us realize there is no 1 John 3.16 without John 3.16. I pray, O oh Lord, give us supple hearts to be transformed by your word today. In Jesus' name I pray.